Hello, this is Jeff Treisman. This is Matt Schmidt. And you are listening to Impolitik. Welcome back to Impolitik. In this episode, we are going to cover the Ukrainian refugee crisis that has spilled over into Poland. Uh, as of the recording of this podcast, roughly 20,000 Ukrainian refugees have now sought refuge in Poland. Uh, so clearly a humanitarian disaster, uh, not only within Poland, but of course within the region. In this episode, we speak with a Polish citizen, Radek Stenisch, uh, who has volunteered to help facilitate uh, the transportation and reception of Ukrainian refugees in Poland. So let's now turn to that interview. Okay, we are here with uh, Radek Stenisch, uh, who is essentially on the front lines in Poland uh, and addressing the refugee crisis as Ukrainians arrive in Poland. Uh, Radek, can you tell us uh, what is the general situation in Poland as Ukrainian refugees arrive? There is a huge mobilization here in Poland uh, to help refugees from Ukraine. Uh, in this three days of Russia invasion, more than in first three days of Russia invasion, more than 200,000 people crossed the Polish and Ukrainian border. As you can guess, uh, mostly it was women and children. Uh, it means there is a lot of people who, you know, we need to help. We need to manage the transferring and, and uh, uh, location, locate them in, in our country. There's still a lot of people waiting to get into the Poland on the border. Uh, but also next to the border on the Polish side, there is a huge traffic of people who want to help with transferring refugees into the Poland. People in the cities uh, in Poland mobilize themselves and look for places to stay for refugees. Some of the people even share their place in their houses with them. So they, 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 uh, everyone wants to help as, as, as they can. Also, there is a lot of collection points of products and which is uh, which will go to refugees or people who stayed in Ukraine. Um, so everything is well managed. I, I can I can call it like this, but still, it's I think the the most of the people will come <laughs> in the uh, later. Let's call it like this. <laughs> Radek. I understand that you have personally volunteered to assist arriving Ukrainian refugees. Can you explain a bit more about your role and perhaps comment on how well the Polish government is managing the crisis? Yeah, I, I personally volunteered to help with uh, transport in Krakow, here in Krakow, when, I, uh, when I'm when I placed. But uh, at the moment, the situation is well managed and people uh, who's crossing the border are getting help very fast. I was talking about the uh, traffic in the border, um, the people from Polish side who is waiting to help. This is the, let's uh, say, uh, first hand <laughs> where uh, refugees can, can get help. The second thing is the Polish government allows refugees for free public transport with uh, railway. 
so they can easily get into the bigger cities. Uh, I think now uh, more important is to find a new home or place to stay, or even a job for the uh, for these people if the conflict could take more time, could take longer. How have the Polish political parties responded to the crisis? Have they unified together to help refugees or does the political atmosphere remain contentious, divided? Yeah, the political situation in Poland is, uh, is, not, is not that easy topic. <laughs> uh, yeah, our government is divided into conservatives and liberal, liberals. Uh, and uh, let's call it like uh, in a daily uh, daily situation, it's uh, it's really uh, there's a lot of affairs and uh, let's call it a lot of fights inside the government. Uh, but now uh, it doesn't matter; uh, they united to help the Ukrainians uh, and they speak the same language. Uh, they speak that we need to help our neighbors. Uh, they also united to pick, put pressure on the Euro European Union over the sanctions for Russia. It's uh, it's something new because uh, 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 mostly conservatives is uh, uh, don't don't want to uh, cooperate with uh, European Union and liberals are with the. Uh, European Union. Right now, they both putting pressure on uh, on on them, but the pressure is uh, are working. The Germany uh, has completely changed their policy. Policy they are uh, starting the to arm themselves now. Uh, they are planning to cut off their energy dependence on Russia. Uh, so, I think. Now more important is that the whole Europe is very united and want to stop Putin from escalating this conflict than the you know the Polish uh, Polish polit political situation. I think the whole Europe is very united right now, and this is the uh, the whole thing that we we need right now. So I understand that Polish news has reported that Russian soldiers are being misled and essentially uh, lied to um, by Russian military officials and officers. Is, is that essentially what uh, Polish uh, news outlets are reporting? Uh, yeah, I can say the news and uh, uh, somehow in social media, there is a lot of uh, uh, even the Ukrainian uh, Forces got their own Twitter where they uh, share their information, and uh, they, when Ukrainians cut many Russian soldiers as prisoners, uh, very often these prisoners don't know the true purpose of their mission in Ukraine. It has long been known that Russia has uh, has highly developed propaganda. <laughs> Some of their soldiers believe that. Uh, believe that Ukraine was in, inv in, uh, invaded Russia or that the, there is a fascist government in Ukraine that should be overthrown in a peacekeeping mission. <laughs> Some of the Russian troops went to Belarus for training. They were captured in Ukraine. They realized that they were going to the war front. That, that was the moment that they realized that 
this is not a training right now. This may explain a lot of why Ukrainians are so easily defeating some of the some of the Russian troops right now. So are you aware of U.S. military activity in Poland? And has that actually been acknowledged by the Polish government? Your forces presence in Poland is mainly a matter of defending NATO territory right now. From some from the beginning of this year or even bit earlier when the situation in the east grew more serious there was a lot of talking about the importance of nato and the nato forces stationed in poland and the eastern flank um right now uh as as you can guess most of the uh, forces is uh, it's the u.s forces in nato so uh Yes, we can we can see the more uh, more forces uh, every day. Uh, we can see uh, communication in media from our government that uh, we, we should uh, you know feel safe because uh, we are preparing. Let's call it uh, to to eventually defend. Uh, I live in southern Poland, so I cannot see that forces every day. What I can see sometimes, or maybe mostly here, it's the air forces flying across our sky. Um, I also tracking our uh, airspace on on services like uh, services with live tracking, like a flight flight radar. There is a lot of NATO flying units, lots of jets, large cargo. Uh, airplanes, drones, and even fighter uh, fighter tankers. Mostly, it's the U.S. Air Force, of course, uh, but also the British Royal Air Force. Uh, today, I also saw some military units from Turkey, Spain, or even Greece. Uh, it's probably because more and more European Union country is giving military support to Ukraine, providing them weapons. So. Most of the weapon is tried transferring by aircrafts to Poland or Romania. From Poland, most of these uh, weapons, these cargoes, is transferring by the train after that into the Ukraine. All right, Radek, thank you very much for your time. Uh, thank you for volunteering to help the refugees. Uh, best of luck uh, to the people of Poland and uh, Godspeed with everything you're doing out there and stay safe. Thank you very much. You know, Matt, I, I found it really fascinating uh, to hear that Polish political parties, which are notoriously divided between a law and justice party or peace uh, and, of course, Donald Tusk's uh, civic coalition party, they, they've effectively united uh, around this crisis and are, you know, reputedly holding hands and welcoming uh, Ukrainian refugees. And, you know, the United States is arguably um, just as divided as uh, in a similar manner as Poland. And although there, there's been a great deal of unity here, there are some still Republicans who have really politicized, uh, unfortunately, this war with really vague assertions of Biden, um, quote unquote, being weak. And, you know, even even recently, Marjorie Greene of the uh, of Georgia, even proclaiming Biden a traitor. But you know, on all these kind of criticisms, there's no clear elaboration of what they really mean. It's it's not 
not very productive, uh, and they're not really suggesting alternative concrete policies uh, to address this crisis. I said, yeah, I think his uh, his point about the two the political parties holding hands uh, in Poland is is really interesting. Um, you see a lot of of um, connection between the Democrats and Republicans here, but you still have a, a large chunk of the Republican Party that are are using uh, the opportunity here to hammer away at the Democrats, right? To hammer away at Biden's policies. And I think the difference really is just geography, right? Polls, whether they're on the left or the right, we're all under the Soviet Union. And so they get it at a certain gut level that I think American Republicans just don't. I, I find it, you know, really interesting that Polish news outlets are, you know, reporting that Russian troops are being misled. Uh, is this something, Matt, that you've been hearing as well? We see that too. Mostly, uh, I've seen it in Twitter, where we've seen the, the videos of uh, Russian troops who have surrendered, uh, you know, are being taken in and are, are saying things like, "Well, we thought we were on a training mission," or you know, "We we just don't want to fight Ukrainians." And I just have to add that in that part of the world, I mean. Russian boys are generally not coming to Ukraine to fight. They think about Russian or Ukrainian girls in a certain way, something like, you know, old Americana and California girls. So um, this must be pretty shocking for them at, uh, for 18-year-old and 19-year-old boys to come in here and realize that uh, they've been tasked with killing people and blowing things up, um, you know, in a, in a place that it has this, this special spot in Russian culture. You know, Matt, I, I spoke with Radek uh, offline before our interview uh, and he mentioned that Polish citizens are are keenly aware of the influx of U.S. troops and and an increase in, in U.S. military activity in Poland. And in fact, the the Polish government um, apparently urged its citizens not to film or photograph U.S. military exercises uh, to avoid accidentally disclosing uh, any sort of intelligence to Russia. Let's just say that the reports of um, casualties amongst uh, Russian aircraft. Um, are pretty interesting. And it, if anything, it's exactly the kind of stuff that America is very good at in terms of its dirty little tricks. So who knows? I just want to throw that out there, though, that um, the losses have been pretty extraordinary and there's no good explanation. Well, that's going to wrap up this episode of Impolitik. I want to thank all our listeners uh, for tuning in. Uh, please do like and subscribe uh, and feel free to offer any comments as we pursue this podcast further uh, we'd appreciate the feedback uh, thank you everybody and stay tuned for our next episode